0: You're listening to The Carl Taylor Show. I am your host, Carl Taylor, and this episode was recorded when I was a guest on Millionaire Interviews, Entrepreneur Stories for Inspiration with Austin Peak. Now, this episode was recorded back in 2018, and we were live in the State Library of New South Wales in uh, Sydney. And uh, in this episode, I share a lot of my early entrepreneurial story, you know, how I started my first business at 15, kind of what was going on around then. And then the story continues to unfold and I share a bit how it shifted and changed as I grew and continued in my business journey into my 30s. Now, at the time of recording this episode, I was 32. Uh, I'm a little bit older than that now, and there's been continual growth since then. So if you'd like to learn even more and stay up to date and connect directly with me, you can find me at carltaylor.com until then let's jump in and listen to this episode. Calling all entrepreneurs, small business owners, lifelong learners, and people of earth, I'm calling you to step up into the greatest version of you a happier you, a healthier you, a more loving you, a you that is truly feeling healthy, fulfilled, and alive. My name is Carl Taylor, and I've been building businesses since I was 15 years old. And the one thing that has always, always stood out to me is that running your own business, no matter how successful or not, will be the best personal development journey for you ever ever go on. And so in this show, I share with you some of the most important lessons that I've learned and continue to learn on my journey in the hope that it may help you guide you in yours. You're listening to The Carl Taylor Show. And the way you send the right message to the right person at the right time is to know who the right person is and know when it's the right time. And you do that through the use of... There are things in your business that only you can do, then forever you will be a slave to your business. Having that self-awareness of who you are is really going to change everything for you. The secret to business, I believe, is... I had to get over my ego. I had to realize that, do I want to look successful or do I want to actually be successful? You know, do I want to look rich and look the part or do I actually want to be rich? I'm Carl Taylor and uh, coming to you live from Sydney, Australia, we're sitting in a a room in the state library of New South Wales. I run a company called Automation Agency. We basically release busy business owners from all the tech and design stuff that comes with online marketing, all the marketing automation, WordPress, and graphic design stuff that just bogs people down and struggles to get done. And basically we, for a
1: flat monthly fee, allow you to pay our team to do all that stuff for you. Right now, yeah, again, this is Awesome Peak as well. We're in Sydney. This is my first live interview, so thank you for joining me. This was one of my stops on my honeymoon. He was nice enough to reserve a room for us. We're trying this first time live. Excited to be doing that. Well I think you talk to us a little bit more? I think people understand what automation means, but what exactly does your company do? What do people call you and say, hey, I need help with, and what do you help them with? Yeah, so our focus is very much
0: on online marketing. You know, the kinds of things that we're doing for people is email marketing automation. So if you're using Infusionsoft, Entreport and Active Campaign, they're the kind of three main platforms that we support. There's a lot more platforms out there, but they're the key ones that we choose to be experts in. And the others, we just say that we're not the best help for you. And so those platforms in specifically are really designed around email marketing, maybe a bit of SMS marketing, but collecting names and then automating the communication flow with both your leads and your existing customers you know, the kinds of things we're setting up for people is when they fill in an opt-in form on a page. And that delivers a lead magnet or a PDF of some kind, or maybe it does a quiz or when you get a new customer and then it sends out an onboarding sequence of emails to you know, say, here's the logins to your thing and all of that. So we're setting up a lot of membership sites. We set up a lot of webinar funnels, a lot of live events. So a lot of my clients are coaches, speakers, and authors. Those guys are typically running a lot of webinars, doing a lot of live events that they need to send out reminders to people to show up they're running membership sites, they've got online courses and programs that they sell. And so we do a lot of work around that. That's from the marketing automation side. And then the more general business owners who aren't in that space as much, You know, we do a lot of work on just updating their websites. They've written a new blog post. They need a feature image and an image design for that. So the design team will do that. Maybe their page just isn't mobile responsive or there's an issue happening on their website. They don't have the tech skills to fix it. It's not worth going and trying to find freelancers every time. Well, the challenge with getting freelancers all the time is, you know, sometimes they're available and other times they're not. With us, we're just a flat monthly fee. And then you've got a team of graphic designers, WordPress guys marketing automation experts just on tap and on demand when you need us it's not charged by the hour it's just a flat monthly fee right
1: and how do these clients find you is it through referrals It through google just tell us how someone finds you
0: yeah so most people there's two main sources for us we're very fortunate in that i don't know it's fortunate and maybe not so fortunate in that because we're a service-based business we're a scalable service but Every time we get X number of new clients, we need to hire X number of new team members, train them up. We have a waiting list process in place. There's a maximum of how many people we can work with at any one time. We don't do massive promotions. Most of our work comes from referrals from happy clients or from a couple of key partners that work quite well for us. We do a lot of content marketing. So organically, people find us through Google. But the biggest source for us is referrals from happy clients who love what we do. Again, as I said, a lot of our clients are coaches, speakers, and authors, Mm -hmm. so the benefit there is that many of the coaches, they love us working for them, so then they want us to work for their clients, so they end up referring us to their
1: clients as well. So that seems like a perfect strategy, but did that happen by happenstance? Yeah, total. That was not by plan. I mean, I was a coach Mm -hmm. previously, in a previous life.
0: The stuff that I was doing for myself, a lot of people wanted help with, which is kind of what helped Start Automation Agency. And that's why I focused on coaches. It just happened to be that a lot of them were like, this is great. I'm teaching my clients about this stuff. Can you help them set it up too? Are you liking this episode? Then why not leave a short review and hit me up at carltaylor.com. Send me a screenshot of your review and I will send you a nice surprise
1: gift. So that seems like a perfect, I guess, funnel or lead to find those new clients, even if it was by happenstance. And I guess you were talking about that you were a coach previously. How about we reel back a little bit further and tell us how you even got into this. I mean, where you went to school, were you entrepreneur right out of school, and tell us about the growth till today. Yeah, great.
0: So I'm currently 32, and that I can remember at least, my first business was at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. So I was still in high school, and I started a web design business, although originally it wasn't supposed to be a web design business. I actually started... It was called Zany Effects, and it was going to be a special effects company. I wanted to be a bit like Lucas filmed, like Lucas mm-hmm. Lights and Arts, but at 15 years old, I didn't think I had the finances or the ability to do that. So I thought I'll start simple and I'll sell, you know, fancy dress costumes online. And so I started Zany Effects to be that, and that failed miserably. But it pivoted to I was working at a pizza place at the time, you know, as a high school job. One of the customers who worked next door, he had an auction, online auction business. He had his stuff on a really very popular website here in Australia. He came in saying he wanted to set up his own auction site. And I can't remember how it happened, but from whatever, I was like, yeah, I can do that. And that was my first real paying client of building a website. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided that trying to sell costumes wasn't going to work. And then I was just going to, start building websites and doing hosting online. I did that through 15 to about 18, after I finished high school. I was kind of over that, as we all do. You're like, what am I gonna do with my life? I didn't decide I didn't want to do the business stuff anymore. Well, I knew I kind of wanted to do business stuff, but I just didn't want to be that techie person because I hadn't really made enough money to live on, right? Like, right. it had been fun hobby, but it didn't really make me money. So I sold it via MSN Chat. I went on MSN Chat, found a competitor or supplier, and said, hey, I'm thinking about selling my business. He's like, yeah, I'd be interested. He offered me 400 bucks. I knew enough about negotiations to be like, no, make it 600. You have to counter offer, right? Yeah, always. I had no idea how to value a business. Like right. in hindsight, I now know I could have got, you know, probably at least an extra zero. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I sold, sold my first business for 600 bucks over MSN Messenger. From there, I, I kind of just focused on, on working and I actually went and got an apprenticeship for a while doing home automation, audio visual installation. So the kinds of things when you walked into a room It's a lot more affordable and easier to do now. But back then, it was quite a lot of hard programming that if you could walk into a room with a sensor and it was 3 a.m. in the morning, that the lights would only come on at 20% because it knew it was 3 a.m. So I was going into some amazing, wealthy people's houses. Mm -hmm. And that just got me really hungry. I was like, I don't want to install this stuff for the rest of my life. I want to have this stuff. Right. So I decided
1: to get back into business and I got into an IT company with my father. Well, before the IT company, can you tell us, I mean, were you motivated by just seeing what those people had, and that you wanted to have that or what? I've motivated? always loved bull gadgety stuff. Yeah. Like I'm a bit of, I suppose you could call me a bit of a
0: futurist. Like I'm always, I love sci-fi stuff. I love gadgets. So all that stuff was really cool. Mm-hmm. I wanted it, but also here in Sydney, you know, I was going to people's houses who, I remember we went to one house that was like a couple of doors down from where Nicole Kidman lives. I don't know if she still lives there now, but right on the waterfront, like amazing, beautiful houses. And... All of a sudden, when I looked into the future, I was like, do I really want to be the guy who installs this stuff for the rest of my life? Or do I actually want to have this stuff? And I felt the only way I'm going to have or live a lifestyle like this would be to run my own business and, and do my own thing. Yeah, it wasn't so much that like, I suppose there was, I wanted, I just wanted this lifestyle, but right. far more than what I thought I'd have if I was just installing. installing it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: And then so I cut you off. Well, what were you going to from there? So yeah, I got into an IT company with my father.
0: And that was really a big Boosting point for me because up until that point, everything I knew about business had come from conversations with my father, who'd been kind of managing someone else's companies, and had come from a business studies course I'd done at high school, had come from just for online forums talking with other people trying to do web hosting and web design online. What happened is after about two years into this IT company, we were working from home. We had an office at the front of the room. We weren't really making much money. My, we were living basically on my mum's income and uh i don't know i don't know if we were like i was a bit oblivious because i was still kind of young at this time i think i was like 20 but we needed to change and one day out of the blue a phone call came in basically this guy invited us to come to a seminar i freaked out a bit and said no you need to talk to my dad he'll make that decision to my surprise I just wanted to get the guy off the phone. But to my surprise, my dad actually went to the seminar. He comes home and he says, I've signed us up to this thing called group coaching. It's like, oh, what's that? Anyways, it was 12 weeks with a whole bunch of other businesses, maybe about 12 of us. And there were these two coaches, young guys, who were from Action International back then. I think it's called Action Coach Now. That was the first opening of my eyes to the fact that you could learn from other people's... There were books out there. There were seminars you could attend. There were so many things that you could go and you could learn. And that opened my world because to that point, I'd probably read maybe two wealth books. Right. I really didn't know much And that. From there, we very quickly went from being a home-based business to having an office space. Then maybe a year or two later, ended up with five staff.
1: So did that really help that doing the coaching thing? Can yeah. You tell, tell us what you learned. So if someone's cool. thinking about maybe going to one, if it's worth it, maybe. A- yeah. Look, I
0: mean, if you're considering getting a coach or going into a coaching program, what I would say is, especially one-on-one coaching, it's very much about finding the right fit for you. Even now, I have multiple coaches in different areas who help me with different things because it's like a sports analogy, right? Like you can be quite good at something, but you can be far better if you have someone who's looking at what you're doing can give you direction, can give you tips on how to improve. You know, you're going to get further with a coach. What I specifically, my biggest takeaways from that group coaching was there was a whole lot of mindset stuff they talked about. But the, one of the biggest takeaways was the action coach definition of a business which has never left me, which is a commercial profitable enterprise Mm -hmm. that works without me. So there's a number of key parts of that structure is it's got to be a commercial profitable enterprise, meaning the business actually has to make money Mm. and it has to make a profit and a profit after you pay yourself a salary. There are so many people in my world and people I've seen in business who they focus so much on making a profit, but they actually they're considering the profit they make to be profit when actually they haven't factored in a market salary to pay themselves. They're paying themselves out of the profit rather than paying themselves a wage. So that's an important thing to realize. You've got to have a profitable commercial business that makes profit after it would pay you a reasonable wage. It doesn't have to be amazing, you know, like 500 grand a year wage or whatever. It can be simple, but it does need to have that. Then it's got to work. So you can have a commercial profitable enterprise, but it's it's got to work. It's got to be something that's sustainable, can continue to grow. And then there's the key part of without you. And that's where a lot of people get stuck and they don't end up building a business. What they really have is a job. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But for me, that was my biggest realization was like truly what a business is to me now is like it's got to be something that works, Mm -hmm. can work without me, is profitable. What I've added to it now is more that it's something that can be sold, right? Like it's it's something that I could package up and sell it just like a product if I wanted to.
1: Okay. And so what were you doing before and then afterwards? So you said you eventually got to a staff of five at yeah. your co- company. So those things that you just talked about, what did you actually put into place to make that help grow your company?
0: Yeah. So lots of different things. I mean, systems in particular, documenting what we did. We started doing a lot of online stuff. So when I first got that cold call from a coach, we were advertising on yellow pages online and we were wasting money. Like the way the guy got me on the phone, he said to me, he's like, oh, I noticed you advertising on yellow pages online. And I was like, yes. And he's like, how's that going for you? I was like, oh, it's going okay. He's like, great. How many leads are you getting? And I was like, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't you think that's something you should know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> You've got a point. Yeah. But that's when I panicked and was like, no, I i can't make a decision about this. So very quickly, we stopped. You know, We started looking at what we were spending our money on mm-hmm. and going, well, is this actually working? We started testing and measuring. We're going, all right, let's do this. Let's measure the result. If I put a dollar in, am I pulling $5 out? Great, let's keep doing it. Am I putting in a dollar in and pulling zero out? Let's stop doing that. Right. The concept of testing and measuring and changing. So we, we just started testing a lot of different things. We changed our business model. So I had the IT company for eight years. In that time, we went to sell the business twice. Or was it three times? It's all a bit of a blur. It's so long ago now in my head. But we definitely went to sell twice. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we went to sell and the reason we pulled out is the guy was basically going to, he, he wanted to show up with a briefcase full of cash and that just felt dodgy and strange. So we decided to walk away from a decent amount of money because we didn't know what was going on. So changed the business model numerous times. Like we very much started by focusing on home users. And then over time we actually found a competitor. We got an opportunity for a job which was to install a small business server. Mm-hmm. Now, up to that point, we'd never done any kind of business server. We were just kind of home PC, right. small businesses who just had a couple of PCs. That's what we'd really worked with. And then we had this opportunity come up and we'd said, yes, we could deliver this, but mm-hmm. we didn't have a clue how to build servers or set all that up. Right. So we found a competitor online. Like I just Googled online and found someone that seemed reasonable, Reach out to him. And he agreed that he would do the server setup for us. And the agreement was he would do the server setup for us, but he would let me watch as he did it. And I could learn from him as he was setting it up. Yeah. So that worked really well. We ended up getting that gig and that was our first server setup. And then we did a couple more in that same arrangement where he did most of the work and I just kind of assisted and watched. And then eventually that gave me the confidence that we didn't need him anymore. And we could just do server setups ourselves in the same structure. So that then opened us all of a sudden from the lower paying small business owners, there were still small business owners, but we went from the home users who right. only prepared to pay like 100 bucks, right, to now we could do server setups, you know, 80 grand installations and things like that. Okay. That was a big thing that shifted for us to be able to have the money to hire other people right. to do
1: work for us. So it's just finding that natural skill, I guess, because I, I had no clue. I was going to ask how much more it was, but that's a significant increase in what you can make to set that up. Well, I mean, a lot, you've got to remember a lot of that was
0: hardware. Right. And unfortunately, in the IT world, the cost of hardware is, can be quite high, but the margin on that is almost tiny. That's one of the key reasons. There were many reasons, but that was one of the key reasons that we sold the IT business, was that margins just kept getting slimmer and slimmer. So on that 80 grand, I mean, maybe 20 to 30 of that was labor for us, which was mm-hmm. great. But then of the rest of it, there was maybe like two grand in the rest of it. It's a big expense for the customer, but outside of the labor installation, not that much of it right. went to our pockets. Okay.
1: And so eventually you said you sold the company?
0: Yeah. So in 2011, my father wanted to retire and I'd written a book. In 2010, I wrote a book called Red Means Go. And that kind of planted the seeds for me. I got I, gave me some speaking. I got a few speaking opportunities after that. And that led to people... Invited me to speak i was a pretty crap speaker at the time but i thought i was good um <laughs> i look back at it and go i was horrible Ew. but i all of a sudden i wanted to become this big important seminar guy mm-hmm. i'd learnt from these amazing seminar people and so i thought oh, i want to be that person now yeah. i've written a book i've got the authority i've done a fair bit of stuff in business but i was a bit arrogant mm-hmm. and that planted the seeds though that all of a sudden when i went into a customer's like here's a being honest truth this is what was going on in my mind is I would go into a customer's place and they just saw me as this geeky techie dude here to fix the computer. Now my ego didn't like that because I was like, don't you know that I'm a big important business person? I've got a book. Right? Yeah. This, you don't know anything about me. You just think I'm this geeky techie dude who's here to fix your computer. But I was, that's what they were paying me for. <laughs> but that was the start of my thought process. So I was like, I wanted to get away from that geeky Mm -hmm. techie guy and i wanted to be a big important business person Mm -hmm. so that also set my mind in motion of going all right i want to get out of the it business margins were getting smaller there was a number of things happening in space that when i looked at the future of what i thought was going to happen in the it space i didn't like the look of it i thought now's the time to get out we're doing okay like there's actually some value to our business if we choose to sell i'd also a few years earlier gone to a seminar by one of my earlier mentors, Brad Sugars, and it was all about seeing business as a package of something you could sell. And so I'd come away from that Entrepreneur's Masterclass really focused on wanting to be more of that business person who bought and sold businesses and was more that investor rather than the worker. So that also was played in my mind to go, let's let's get out of this. Right. So you sold the business for $600 again? <laughs> no, a fair bit more than than $600. Mm-hmm. The big challenge was that... I'm really passionate these days about three key things, actually, that I'm personally really passionate about. And I'm starting to put a lot of content out about for free. Financial freedom, business freedom, and personal freedom. But a big part of financial freedom is having the financial sense and and knowing how to manage your money. So what happened is we sold the IT business. We had a big stack of cash there. We had some debts that we could pay off. And I chose not to pay off those debts because I wanted to use that money to make more money rather than just pay off debt. And that seems smart, and that actually is quite smart. The problem was that from 2011 to 2014, I basically floundered around trying lots of different things. I tried you know, selling online courses about productivity. I tried doing affiliate marketing. I tried to be a life coach. I tried trying to get be a paid speaker, a whole bunch of stuff that I was really trying to find who, I suppose what happened is I kind of lost my identity. I'd been such a techie geek for mm-hmm. so long that when it was all gone, I I lost my identity. But I also started spending the money on things that made me look successful, right? Again, caught up in my ego that it's like, well, you know, I've got to have the fancy watches and I've got to have the fancy suit. I mean, you can see me right now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm not wearing a college shirt. Like, I mean,
1: T shirt and shorts. But you flew in on a plane. (laughs) No. No. You didn't have that much money from the sale. (laughs) No. No, absolutely not. (laughs) It was was not that much. But
0: that that was the thing. It's like very quickly by 2014, there was about five grand left in the bank. I'd done all right. Uh, One of the things that happened in 2013, maybe, I had found a bit of direction and I started teaching people about buying and selling businesses. Because I didn't mention, but in 2008, I also bought a gift basket business with the sole purpose of building it to sell. And I, I sold that in 2009. I started kind of teaching people about buying and selling businesses. I really enjoyed that. I was quite good at that, and we had some amazing success stories. I mean, a number of people. One one girl in particular, you know, she bought a a business for about twenty thousand dollars, and it came with thirty five grand worth of stock plus a forty grand tax write off. She did really well out of that purchase. There were a number of students that did well, but there was also a number of people who came, they learnt, and they did nothing with it. Right, yeah. and that was for me, very frustrating. Did they get mad at you about that or no? Um, I don't, not that I'm aware of. I mean, who knows what they say at right, home, but right. none of them came reaching out to me saying, oh, you know, but I mean, definitely, like there are certain people like that that will, but there are also people, and I was one for a while where you just learn. You just became a seminar junkie or a learning junkie. Mm-hmm. You learn, 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 but you're not doing anything. Right. So that was frustrating to me. The other thing that was, that was challenging was convincing people why they needed to buy a business. There's a certain segment who kind of already think that way. And so they were interested. But often I would get in front of groups of existing business owners. And to them, they're like, I've already got a business I'm trying to grow. Why do I need to learn how to buy? Because it's like, well, you could acquire, you can grow through acquisitions, buy another business and grow faster. But that required education. And one of the biggest tips to anyone who's out there, if you're learning about marketing, if you have to convince someone why they need your product, it's not that it's impossible, but it will be a struggle. It will really be challenging for you to grow. Whereas what I do now, when I am in front of the right client and I just explain what I do, like maybe it's even you listening to this and I, as I explain what I did, people just go, oh my God, I need that. How do I sign up? And the difference between convincing someone why they have a problem that you can solve to someone going, oh my God, that's the perfect solution is phenomenal in how quickly Automation Agency grew compared to what I was doing with Business Bills Academy. That was an interesting time. Basically from 2011 to 2014 for me, was a lot of mindset shifts before I finally kind of got out of that. I had to get over my ego. I had to realize that, hey, do I want to look successful or do I want to actually be successful? You know, do I want to look rich and look the part or do I actually want to be rich? I know it sounds simple, but it took a lot of work. And I still see a lot of people in my sphere who I think are in that. I don't necessarily know
1: they're in that, but, you know, they're trying to look the part rather than be the part. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people in every sphere that are like that even if you have a nine-to-five job but then they have car leases and house payments and they don't even realize it but you know they can't sustain for another month after they get fired and they're screwed and they lose that so what could you tell the people who are listening about buying and selling a business if they were interested maybe a few key tips that you've learned or taught i guess people back then yeah. So, I mean, the, the obvious one is that you make your money in
0: the purchase price, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if you're looking to, to buy a business, you know, you, you first you've got to find a lot of businesses for sale. And there's, you know, you can go the, the listed businesses. So these are the ones that brokers have on their books and you find on business for sale websites. But then you've got unlisted deals. And these are the deals, these are the people who are maybe they're on LinkedIn or in your own networks. These are the people who are thinking about selling a business. They're struggling, they're not that happy in their business or you know they're getting divorced or there's something going on in their world and they're probably not far away from selling their business, but it's not listed on the market yet. And if you can grab any of those unlisted deals, there is so much more power and opportunity in that than the ones that are once you're trying to deal with a broker cuz the thing is if you have to deal with a broker it's absolute pain you would rather there is far more emotion with someone who is trying to sell their business because it's their business but you'll cut through half of the crap if you can talk directly to the owner and just talk about it and try to find a win-win deal so if you're looking at buying a business which you know if you're currently have nothing i do recommend you take a look at that because it can save you the blood sweat and tears of trying to do your own thing now it doesn't suit everyone if you're more the mechanic type person, if you're, if you're the personality, like if you want to find out, great test you can do online. It's called Wealth Dynamics. It's by Roger Hamilton. And this personality test is kind of how do you best create wealth? And so if you're what in that test would come out as a mechanic, you're someone who's really good at optimizing things. You can take something existing and make it better then I would highly encourage you to consider looking at buying a business rather than starting. Because for you, if you can come into something that's already doing well or doing okay, and you can optimize it, you will find that faster and and quicker at getting a success. So you absolutely like, I'm still a big fan of buying a business. I mean, I didn't buy Automation Agency. I started that because there wasn't anything. I did look around before I started Automation Agency, but the key part that made Automation Agency work was my existing background. It was really something I had to create
1: rather than buy. And I think that's important because some people don't even realize that you can buy a business. You don't think about it. I mean, I remember only a few years ago, I never thought about it until I started looking online. I'm like, oh, you can actually buy businesses. My real estate background always knew you can buy real estate. I think most people know you can buy real estate. You go through brokers, but not a lot of people think about business brokers. I think that's a really good point. Uh, gets someone a chance who has that nine to five job right now. Hmm. Maybe they have some money saved in the bank. They're thinking about entrepreneurship, but are kind of scared to start everywhere because there's so many things you have to do that they think are hard, but really aren't hard at the end of the day. But this is a good stepping stone. It's kind of in between point. If you ask me where maybe they can throw 10 or 20K at a business, buy it and just play with that because then they already have something set up. So it's almost like you have training wheels as long as yep. I guess you're buying the right one. It is, it's very much. I mean, I'm personally not a big fan of,
0: of buying franchises. Mm-hmm. I think as a business model, selling franchises is a brilliant <laughs> business model, but buying one, I'm not a fan of that. However, if you know almost absolutely nothing about business, if you can buy the right franchise and see it as not this is the rest of my life, but see it as this is my training wheels, you'll get a lot more support. You'll learn a lot more about how business works through buying a franchise. You'll have the support, you'll have the systems, you'll learn about what works, what doesn't. But eventually you'll get to the point, which I've seen many of my colleagues and people I know who started in franchises, get to the point where you've learned more about marketing and business than the franchisors. And you want to start implementing custom stuff, but you're in a franchise system, they won't allow you to you know you want to change do a marketing promotion, you've got to get approval for it. so all of a sudden you'll find you're restricted by that franchise system, and that's a good time to get out and you know either buy another business or do your own thing. but you don't have to buy a franchise, but I just want to kind of give you that that if you are thinking about buying a franchise, usually for most of you, it's going to be something that's your training ground. it's not going to be your long term because if you're really serious about business you will find that you're frustrated and restricted by the franchise systems.
1: And it gives you a support system if you're kind of... In the beginning, absolutely. So that's a good thing. But when you're talking about franchises, are you talking about brick and mortar, which means actual... Maybe you're a McDonald's, someone can buy, or KFC, or whatever. Or are you talking about online franchises? Because, I mean... Could the, be both. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a franchise
0: is a franchise. is right. just basically, they've licensed you the rights to the system, they're giving you some training and some support, mm-hmm. and for that privilege, you paid to to buy those rights for maybe it's an area, or maybe it's just the branding rights, and then you're usually giving them some sort of a royalty or, or commissions along the way.
1: Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. I've just never thought of a franchise online. Could you give me some examples or give the audience? Well, I this? mean, I don't have an example of a franchise online that right. I can think of. But
0: I mean, a business, you know, it depends on what you consider bricks and mortar. Like a franchise that I know of here in Australia, I can't remember what they're called, but they basically hire out jumping castles. And so that's a franchise. Now, really to have that, if you're buying that, you're probably working from home right you have a website so it's essentially an online business if you like i mean there's also those ones where you i've seen those ones on the road where they like wash dogs Mm -hmm. and again that's often a franchise system that that you've bought and you've got a van or thing behind your car where you 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 take the the people to wash your dogs so that could be to me i don't know this whole online offline
1: business to me it's all it's just business right that makes sense. You were saying jumping cast. So you're talking about the inflatable cast. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense or Plenty water slides. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you because then people are going to Google how to do that. And usually they don't have that in your city, but you see it in another city, you contact the people who actually run the whole thing. And then they're like, Hey, you pay X amount of dollars to get in. So yeah. it is kind of online, offline kind of yeah. thing. So exactly. All right. So why don't we talk about. Where we left off in your story was from. Was where it from the where IT? were we up to? Yeah, no, I think we're we up to you selling the IT, and then a couple of years, and then you only had 5K in, stuff. Yeah, yep. 5K five K left. Yeah, five K left in the bank. the bank. So, tell us about only having five K left in the bank. Is there that was stressful? Yeah, tell um, us about that stress.
0: Yeah, so I was living with a flatmate, and basically, yeah, there was five grand left in the bank for the business. My personal bank account was probably even less than that, <laughs> and I. Really was I was looking at what my costs were coming up and so I had staff to pay, like virtual staff, so they were still fairly cheap, but at the same time it was more than five grand. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, Shit, what am I gonna do? Right. I used to always kinda of think to myself that it's like, Oh, you know, when you hit rock bottom is when you often see those people jump. Now, I'm not pretending that five grand left in the bank is rock bottom. I was still, to be honest, I live in an amazing country with amazing safety nets. I have a family who I could have stayed with. Like, I was not in a position which I think some people, and possibly even someone who's listening, has been or, or will be at some point in your life. But for me, that was a scary enough situation. I mean, Tony Robbins talks about the idea of like shoulds versus musts. And when something becomes a must rather than a should, that's when stuff happens. And so, though that 2011 to 2014. I think I was just doing lots of shoulds because I felt I had the cushion of that money. When the money re- actually finally, I'm what they call a financial avoider in that I don't really like looking at my money. Yeah, same. And that's fine and actually serves me now. I've learned how to make it serve me. But mm. in that situation, it was I wasn't paying attention to how quickly the money was dwindling. And so when all of a sudden I realized that lit a fire. It was like, a, do I have to go back and get a job? And I did. I actually went and applied to potentially become a coach for a coaching company. And it was actually a conversation with the managing director. Like they'd kind of shortlisted me to be one of their coaches. And they invited me to come and speak at this event or not speak actually, just to come and watch the event with mm-hmm. their clients as, a, as like an assistant coach. And one of the guys who, who runs it, he heard me talking about automation stuff. And he's like, oh, would you like to do a talk about that? I was like, okay, sure, great. And so I had to, you know, I had like 20 minutes to prepare and I did a presentation. And I did that presentation and I got someone come up to me and they paid me five grand for me to come out for the day to help them set up some automation stuff. And that kind of planted a bit of a seed in my, that helped financially. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But that also started me thinking, it's like, okay, people are prepared to pay for some of this automation stuff, which I've done for myself and I'm pretty good at. I started to get over my ego and get back to the realizing that what am I good at? I'm a techie person. I've been a techie person. I've taught myself to program at the age of like nine, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been a techie person. So instead of trying to shed myself for that and trying to be someone I'm not, I embraced who I was. And then I was talking to the managing director of that place and he was like, look, you know, I'm concerned that I don't know if your heart's really in doing the coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, to be honest, it's not, I don't know, like I can do it. and I, You have someone, I'm good at giving advice. You give me a question. I, I love problem solving. So I'm great at that but I'm a shit coach. Like I don't want to hold someone's hand. I don't want to be their accountability buddy. You say, why haven't you done your homework? Like yeah, just I, I do don't it. want to be that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not fun for me. So, you know, I said, and he said, and so he said to me, he's like, well, why don't you just do the automation stuff? And I was like, Oh, let me think about it. But I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to start this. And so I started the automation agency as a full service. Uh, we were charging on average, probably eight to 10 grand. Right. I think the biggest deal we did was like 25 grand. To build out sales funnels. So I was writing the sales copy for people. I was helping do the strategy of designing what the whole sales funnel would look like. So what would the offer going to be? What's the landing pages? What's the, the lead magnet or the giveaway going to be? And then from that strategy call, we would map out a, a plan, set a fixed price, and then we would build it. We'd create the whole thing so it was ready to go. And that was good. And that definitely helped my financial issues. So mm-hmm. we started making money. I was able to, uh, over time, I started to hire some team members to come on board to to do some of those pieces. Well, before we talk about more
1: of the team members, can you talk to us about that first deal that what you actually did when you were talking about what you said at that conference and what you actually helped those people set up? What did you help them set up? The talk that I gave, I basically just talked about tagging. So I
0: don't know if, if any of you are using a marketing automation platform. Most of them have what we refer to as tags. And so I talked about the idea of how you utilize these tags to segment Your database. Right? If you've got a database of people, the biggest mistake and what sadly too many in the beginning do is they just click broadcast to an entire list. They just spit their message everywhere. Whereas the secret to good marketing automation is about sending the right message to the right person at the right time. And the way you send the right message to the right person at the right time is to know who the right person is and know when it's the right time. And you do that through the use of tagging, which is kind of like this contextual information you attach to someone. And so I did a whole presentation about how you can take, you know, how you take your database of clients or leads and how you then start to segment them based on different information. So when it comes to tagging, you know, there's three types of tags. You got informational or contextual tags, right? And so this is stuff where Uh, You might be going, well, they're a customer or they're a lead, or it might be that they're in a specific state or some sort of data that's contextual, that maybe you're not storing in a field. And then you've got action tags, right? And these, these action tags or behavior tags are based on things that people have done. Maybe they visited a page, maybe they downloaded something, they opted in for something, they ordered something, they purchased something. So some sort of action that the contact, the person has taken, that is contextual useful. So you've got general kind of information that you might want to segment by, and then you've got action-based, behavior-based segmentation. And then the third type of segmentation is not really used in segmentation, but the third type of tag is what we call a trigger tag or a temporary tag. And usually it's like this tag gets added and it's designed to trigger an automation of some kind to happen. And then you remove that tag immediately. So it's like a temporary tag. It's not there long-term. And so I kind of walk them through that and then I talked about how, you know, in a sales funnel, you could, you could leverage this to ensure that you, you took a, a cold lead and, and took them to a, a buying customer. I think the reason it worked is a number of people in the room, because these guys were all doing like $10 million or more, that's with this particular coaching program, all the clients in the room were doing $10 million or more. A lot of them, it was amazing actually to me to see that people could get to that level in business without knowing or using any of this stuff. Right. And so a lot of them, it was still over their head. Yeah. But there was one guy in particular who he actually had, Entreport, the software Entreport, which is one of the ones that I've used for many years. When he heard, I don't think, I wasn't Entreport certified at that point, but when he heard me talk about Entreport in particular, and I talked, that's why he was like, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So he spoke to me about what he wanted to do. I don't actually really remember what it was. <laughs> I know he, he already had it. I think they had a membership program for like corporates and they had this kind of drip feeding thing they were doing, but they, it was, there was a lot of manual stuff right. they were doing. So it wasn't actually even that relevant to the presentation. Mm-hmm. I think that just positioned me as I knew what I was talking about. And then he heard me talk about the tool which he was using. Yeah. So for him, he was like, great, I want to talk. And I'm sure there was some transferred trust because I'd been put on in front of them by, by the coach that he trusted. That's when he was like, well, I want you to come in. And so I just was like, well, it's five grand for the day. And so we did it. And did you come up with that price on the fly? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you think he was going to say yes or no? I didn't know what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, to be honest, I probably at that point didn't think he would say yes. Yeah. And so when he did, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's okay. okay. entrepreneur. Um, oh, I already <laughs> yeah, right. I, knew like, entrepreneur. I, that's the thing. Like I was not, I wanted that to be clear. I did not sell something that I couldn't deliver on, right? right? Like I knew that I could help him. I knew that I knew my stuff like it wasn't this some you know crap that i'd made up so that's a big thing like you know i don't know where you're at in in your business journey if you're listening but i have a personal issue with people who choose to sell stuff just because it makes money sure money is great and all it's a tool right it's a it's a tool that we use to to live currently in the society that we live in but the money is a scorecard if you like for the transference of value so provide genuine transformational value to someone and you will get paid in return. You've got to ask for money. Like that's one clarification. I know some people who think that they'll just give so much for value for free mm-hmm. and they're like, why am I not making any money? It's because you you have to actually ask for it. You, have to, you can't just go, oh, one day they'll give it to me for free. You do have to ask for the money, but you have the confidence to ask for the money if you know what you're selling genuinely works, has genuine value. And ideally the price you're charging is... You know five to ten times less than the value that they're receiving and if you can do that you'll do very well in business so yeah that's just my little rant that
1: please don't sell something that you know is crap right okay well talking about some stuff that's not crap talking about more about your business and now i guess how it kind of grew from there can you tell us i mean did you still have virtual assistants working from you for the other companies like and you taught them new skills or to just tell us about the growth of your company now
0: basically i kept one person from business bills academy it was a virtual assistant i had and she kind of moved over into into automation agency as being my kind of project manager i called her my customer concierge and well i like the name customer concierge well i mean this particular chick she yeah, well, I mean, that might be too long a story for this podcast, but you know, let's just say that, you know, yeah, she's not with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Who I thought I hired and who was actually doing the work was very different. Um, anyways, it was, it was a great learning. Lots of, uh, you know, hiring virtual team members can be challenging, but I learned a lot through that. So yeah, she came along and she just kind of was, her job was to be the concierge, which she liaised with customers and kind of kept me a little bit more at arm's length from customers the big challenge i had with automation agency doing the project work was that the money was good when it came in but it would be up and down like mm-hmm. it was that roller coaster of chase the work then do the work chase yeah. the work then do the work and so you were on this kind of see-saw that just kept going a lot of people are, are stuck in that and that was challenging you know we'd have some months where we'd bring in you know 40 50 grand and then we'd have other months where we brought in like nothing okay so, so we're you're doing those that.
1: setup fees but you weren't doing any retainers like a no retainers? at that point there was okay. no retainers. it was all just fixed price projects okay Gotcha. And so that makes sense why there's up and down, up and
0: down. And so that was challenging. I mean, it started to build a team. I had a graphic designer, which I hired first, and he's still with me today. And then from there, I I hired a um, a web programmer to build the landing pages. And that took a long time for me to find someone that was up to scratch for me. I actually ended up hiring a girl who I originally said no. I was like, no, you don't have the skills. And then I ended up going back and I chose to hire her because everyone I tested. So that's the thing. If you're ever hiring anyone, virtual or physical, Get them to do a practical thing before you actually say yes and hire them. Yeah. So I, I got I got them to do a practical thing to do. And in the notes, it said, please comment your code clearly of what you've done. Now, her ability of skill was far less to everyone else. However, she was the only one that had commented her code. And so I originally said no to her. And then later, I actually chose someone else and... They ended up being like, you know, not showing up on time. Like this ended up culturally, they were a really bad fit yeah. and they gave me the runaround. And so I chose to go back to Susie and say, Hey. Look, I know I said no, but if you're still looking, I'd be willing to bring you on. I can't pay you what you are originally asking because you just don't have the skill set. But if you're prepared to come on at this lower rate, and I'll spend a lot more time one-on-one. I mean, that's one of my, my advantages with Automation Agency is that I can do everything that my team do, except for graphic design. I'm a shit designer. <laughs> but I can do everything my team do. So therefore, I, in those early days, I physically sat down, trained, and transferred as much of my own knowledge into them. And so Susie is still with me today and she is by far probably one of our, our best team members. Uh, she's in a leadership team and she's now training others in the same style that I taught her. I was very lucky to manage to, you know, there was a lot of, it wasn't just perfectly my first go. I had the, the right people. I, I had definitely had misses with people I hired, but I had some great core team members who really helped me deliver that. But it still didn't solve that cash flow issue. And so I started thinking, well, I need to sell a re- something recurring. Right. 'Cause in my IT business, our whole business was recurring. Okay. So I was like, okay, something's gotta be recurring here. And so I came up with this idea of this thing that I call at the time platform management. You know, we built you this Ferrari, but so many of them didn't know how to use it and drive it. Right. So we'll give you a team to make tweaks and changes after the project. We started selling that and you know, maybe three out of five projects people would sign up for that. We we're charging 199 bucks a month. So it was like they paid a lot of money and it's like it's supposed to be a no-brainer, pay us right. 199. And the whole thing came about actually because I delivered a project to a customer and he said, I'm looking for this, 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 and this. Do you do that? Mm -hmm. And so I replied back and said, yes, yes, we do. $199 a month. And all of a sudden, the product existed. Yeah. Was it already like a customer you had
1: that yeah. you set
0: up? Yeah. No. So okay. it was it was a customer. We just finished the project, and he actually was the one who said, "Okay, here's what I'm looking for." Basically, designed the product for me, and I just said, "Yes, I sell that, and it's this price." Yeah. And then I just started selling it to everyone after the project, and that was good. But I was also going to these seminars. A lot of my friends, as I said, I used to be a speaker and stuff, so a lot of my friends are in the seminar space, and so I would go to these his roundtable days where his customers come in who have got access to other experts. And I would be one of those experts on a table, and I'd be sitting with these people, and I'd be helping them with their marketing ideas, marketing automation, and they so desperately needed me and my team's help. The problem was where most of them were in their business, they couldn't afford ten grand. Right. They couldn't afford what we did, and I was thinking to myself, like, well, this hundred ninety nine buck thing I sell, like, you know, that could work for them if they just knew enough about what to ask for, and we just helped them build it. Mm -hmm. It Take me. So there were a number of things that came to this. It was like there was clearly a demand that I felt passionately about were being underserved and they were getting crap results because they were getting ripped off by other people who didn't know what they were doing. They were hiring VAs and these VAs didn't really know what they were doing so they had a crap implementation or they were struggling to do it themselves or they could try to pay us but if they paid us, it would probably be the last dollar and I, I couldn't guarantee you pay me 10 grand and it's going to pay you back. Like if any marketer promises you that if that you pay them money that they will get your result, I would say they're lying because no one has a crystal ball. Right. We can bring our expertise and our perspective and our thoughts and there's definitely levels of certainty, but if they can say with 100% certainty then then they're probably just trying to sell you. There was that and then I was reminded of I was looked at my business, looked at my life and I was like, I just have a job. You know, like that's all I have. This business only I couldn't sell this business because The only reason clients would get the result is because of what I'm doing, like the strategy call with the client and I'm project managing. Like, yes, I've outsourced bits of it, but there's so much of this works because of Carl Taylor. And I didn't like that. I was like, how could I ever sell this business? Like, this is not in in line with what I'd been teaching for the last few years. This is not in line with what I'd learned very early on in my career. And so that really all kind of culminated to eventually we flipped the model. The idea was we'll sell this low price subscription and we'll upsell them to the projects maybe three months in, we decided upselling to a project was a stupid idea. And we just focused on the, the low end subscription. And so we still have that today. The price has gone up slightly. For a long time, we were still 199 a month, but we are still start at $249. We've done a lot of different things to improve it. We've custom built our own web portal. We've added additional plan levels and and you know improve what we do. And we've grown. We're no longer a team of three or four of us. Right now, there's a team of 30. And we're currently actively hiring right now for more. So well, can you That's kind us- of the journey.
1: Yeah, can you walk us through an example of someone who maybe was in your shoes and they've come to you? Maybe just a simple one. So maybe we have a freelancer who was in a similar thing that you were, where they're just hustling all the time they realize they need to automate more yeah maybe it's just their first step but what would they do or do you have an example of a recent client that's come on board that you could so stuff that we automate for clients well well, 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 for someone who's who is a entrepreneur per se but they realize they're a freelancer and they want to make more of a business out of what they do instead of hustling 24 7 do you have an example of somebody Um, who's contacted you and that you don't work with recently that you can think of Well, I mean, through Automation Agency, we
0: focus on doing marketing automation, right? So we're not really helping people with their business models, getting from a, I'm doing all the work to not. That's more something that I just personally am happily kind of sharing tips and stuff on social media through my group. But I think to me personally, I think that's a more important message rather than what you could automate. So if you're currently doing all the work yourself, there's a really great book I recommend anyone who's in a service business read. It's called Built to Sell by John Worrellow. It's a great book about how do you take a service-based business and turn it into a more productized service business that could be saleable. One of the key things is the more complexity in your business, the more customization in what you sell, the harder it is to systemize and to scale that business. I mean, even with what we do, Automation NC, our concierge service, it's working quite well for us. It's great. And I'm happy to keep doing what we're doing. But if I was to go back in time with what I know now and look at it again, I would have probably narrowed what we do even further because we do such a broad amount and we don't have like we just do these tasks like you could send in any old task and if it falls within the platforms we work with it's like what you want set up and what another client wants set up you might have the same tools but there's no set step-by-step process that i can give the team to follow so that makes training the team a more complex thing for me to do than if all we did was offer this one thing it's like this is all we do that's all we do and this is the same way we do it every time it's harder to, to systemize and scale. So look at what you're doing and go, well, if you're a freelancer and you do all these different services, don't add more services to your menu. Simplify, start saying no to more things and try to figure out what do you do really well? Or what do you enjoy doing the most? And then can you productize that? Can you package that up in a way that it's repeatable, you know, with a, a fixed price, a fixed deliverable, a fixed time frame of when you'll be delivered by? If you can do that, then and also a clear target of who this is for and who, what problem it solves. So one person that you're solving a problem for, one problem that they have, and then a clear fixed deliverable of how you deliver it, what's delivered, how long it will take and a fixed price that everyone pays. If you can do that, you'll be on your way to a productized service. That's more you're able to then, you know, leverage a team and build a team and train them on how to do it, or maybe you can even automate some or all of the deliverable of that as well through technology, but the key thing is you really want to reduce your personal touch, the stuff that only you as the founder can do. Big part of, like to achieve business freedom, there's freedom, there's, there's three things you need to have. You need to have a team of people who can do amazing work so that you don't have to do it all. You need to leverage and automate through technology. You need to utilize technology as much as you can to automate different things. I mean, just last week, we've just trained an AI algorithm in our business to automate one of the processes where we've manually had people reading emails deciding what which team that email needs to go to. We've now just trained an AI. It's taken a long couple of months to really get it to a high accuracy. And the next step is for us to now put that completely on autopilot with the AI running that. So that's utilizing technology, which is now going to save the team, but it also saves me uh, time as well. But the key there is really looking at your model and going, well, how do we make sure that this does not require only my touch? If there are things in your business that only you can do, then forever you will be a slave, if you like, to your business. Now, a big thing I do wanna mention about that, like there is a trend recently where a lot of people, they get so focused on themselves and going, well, this is my business and this is what I'm gonna get. And they'll set up a business that gives them a lot of great time and freedom or whatever, but then the deliverable of what they're offering their client becomes crap. That's a really important line you don't wanna cross. You've gotta remember that again, a business is about exchange of value. In giving great value to a customer, which is why they pay you money. And so, while you do want to reduce the touch, if not eliminate your personal touch from your business model, it's not going to be necessarily an overnight thing. And you can't do that to the detriment of the client. That's important. So, you need to think about that when you're designing your model. That's just my personal morals, I suppose. But it was actually a friend of mine who brought it up, and I was like, it's a really good point. I think. There is a trend recently of people going, I'm setting up my business to sit on the beach and let me do whatever I want, but it comes at the expense of the deliverable of what they're actually delivering. The quality goes down.
1: I think that's a good point. And as we're wrapping up now, I guess you had mentioned a group. I guess you had started to hopefully help entrepreneurs. Do you want to touch on that a little
0: bit? Yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah, if people are looking to get in contact with me, i just literally in the last week or so, I set up a Facebook group called By The Pool. It's basically designed for entrepreneurs who are, interested in financial freedom business freedom and personal freedom you know you're looking for the freedom of choice for me and and for those people in that group I've gotten over my ego <laughs> that I talked about I had and I no longer I'm not you know I don't aspire to have this big empire and and leave this massive legacy I aspire to deliver value but for me I, I aspire to have choice to live with joy to have options which comes from financial freedom and to have time which comes from business freedom so if that's something that interests you and you'd love to, to hang out, I post little tips in there. It's it's truly a, a group where you can communicate with other people and there's no charge. It's free. I'm not selling anything. Yes. I might at some point. I don't know. But right now, I'm literally not selling anything. Yeah, it's called Buy the Pool. I'll set up a link. You can find it at Carl Taylor, that's a CarlTaylor, slash pool I'll set that link up to forward to
1: the Facebook group okay cool and yeah we'll put that in the show notes so someone can see that and it's B- B-Y the pool yeah B- B-Y uh, okay, the pool because sure, we're talking Facebook business group. I didn't know we were trying to get too clever we're right not going to buy the pool but yeah though. I know I thought you got over your you no know. it's just we're hanging, we're hanging out, we're hanging <laughs> we're out, out by pool. the pool yeah you know? that makes sense and I guess um, is there any closing thoughts or one last thing that you want to leave with people through everything that you've talked about one thing that stuck out from the interview is really just talking about personal freedom mm-hmm. and and that's the whole reason I wanted to have my own business, be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. For example, what are you doing later today? And oh, st- straight after this, I'm
0: going rock climbing with a friend. A friend just, late, just before our interview calls me up. He's like, hey, I just got off a plane. I don't really feel like doing any work. Are you free? And the beautiful answer for me and where I've got with my business is the answer can be yes if I choose it to be. So I said, yeah. Let's, and so it's like, "Well, let's go rock climbing. Tomorrow, I'm going to spend the day on a boat. Again, same guy and a bunch of other guys. I've got them together. And we're just going to sail around Sydney Harbour on on a boat, Mm -hmm. hang out for the day, have a few beers and mastermind. So I'm still technically working, but to me, work and life are all mixed into one. And
1: this was the most important thing you did all week, though. Of course. Yes. You had to blow off rock climbing for a little bit to make sure we kept doing this interview (laughs) since I flew down well exactly i I knew i knew you were flying all the way here just to see me yeah i'm I'm a great guy (laughs) that's what i do for all my interviews but yeah all right well yeah. If someone to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to reach out other than by the pool group um you know you can find me at carltaylor.com and reach out through
0: contact there but i mean to be honest social media is probably your best way to reach me i don't really check my email the best place is really going to be in that by the pool or you can add me on Facebook. You can find my personal profile and I, you know, I generally accept, unless you're a complete weirdo, uh, <laughs> hopefully you're not. I generally accept most people. You haven't people. accepted me yet. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you've <laughs> sent a request. I'll make sure I do that yeah. after this. But yeah, as a final thought, I know you said you wanted to share and if we've got time. I think something, you talked about personal freedom and a really important thing, and I ranted about this on Facebook just the other day. Here's probably I think is the secret really, if I boil it down, Self-awareness or cognizance is what I call it in my model. Having that self-awareness of who you are is really going to change everything for you. There'll be opportunities that come your way. We talked about it, you know, buying a business or not buying a business, whether you do MLM or whether you do something else, whether you go to a franchise or whether you don't, whether you start a business, whether you go online, whether you go offline, bricks and mortar. Do you learn about share trading? Do you do property? Like all of that, all of those ways are viable ways of making money and you will find people who are doing really well in that. The secret to business, I believe, is personal. And that personal comes down to knowing yourself. The more you know about who you are and what you're good at and what you're not great at, and instead of fighting that, you accept that, that will help you choose which mentors to follow or even if you follow mentors, which strategies to ignore and which strategies will work for you and knowing which, where to direct your focus. If I had done that and had that awareness earlier, and I mean, I'm still quite young and I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm aware of it now, but if I'd know that even earlier, I think I'd be in even further in a different place than I am now. That is my kind of wisdom, I suppose, is really focus on learning who you are. It's not an easy process. It's gonna take time. But if you can learn that, it's gonna really help you to succeed and, and choose the right path because there'll be plenty of people who wanna sell you stuff that may have worked for them. And if you are very similar to them, then it will probably work for you. But if you are the complete opposite to them, then you will probably struggle following their strategy. So just keep that in mind and really own your own path and your own journey and and enjoy where you're at. Be content with where you're at because life's a journey and please don't sit there if you're 32 or older and you're thinking, oh shit, you know, I wish I was like, uh, I'm sure there are things in your life that are far better than are in my life. Like I'm doing well in business and I've got some great freedom, but you know, my social life to be honest, kind of sucks. It doesn't sound like it from what I said I'm doing tomorrow and today, <laughs> yeah. but that's not a regular occurrence. And so there are different things in all of our lives that are going well or not. So please don't compare. I just hope it inspires and enjoy your journey. I'm going to
1: say again, I agree with you hundred percent. We all go through ups and downs with entrepreneurship, but there's other parts of your life, whether it's social or religious or, or whatever, or... Personal relationships with girlfriend, wife, whatever, we all go through ups and downs and everything, and then always trying to compare yourself to somebody necessarily isn't the greatest thing, but if you can take care of that financial freedom from starting a business, that gives you the options to kind of do these other things as well, but there are sacrifices you got to make at points in time while you're growing there, and some people don't think about that, but it's necessary you know so even though you might be grinding hard in business like right now maybe i'm not, don't have much of a social life as i did maybe a year ago or two years ago because i was just kind of cruising on business and not really worried about it but i'm re-inspired by doing this podcast and hopefully bring great guests like yourself on thank you for joining us and i appreciate you doing the podcast awesome it's great to be here
0: You've been listening to The Carl Taylor Show, and I'm so grateful that you're here right now. Now, if you've liked this episode and would like to hear more from me, then there's two simple actions to take right now. Step one, click subscribe on whatever device you're listening to this on right now so that you can get notified about future episodes. So go on, do it right now. Find that subscribe button and click it. Step two, now that you've done that, is visit me over at carltaylor.com. On the website there, you'll be able to find the show notes from today's episode, as well as all the previous episodes, plus details on how to get copies of my books, details on how to get in contact with me, and so much more. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I'm so grateful that you are here. It's an absolute honor to be a part of your journey. And Until next time, just be happy, be healthy, be fulfilled, but most importantly, be awesome.